Welcome back to another episode of Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Ashley. And today we are bringing you another author interview special. But more than just a single episode, we are kicking off three full days of back-to-back-to-back author interviews. Yes, and we want to first and foremost thank Atria and Penguin Random House for allowing us to connect with these authors and providing Phoebe and I with copies of their latest books. We are starting this special week with our interview with Hannah Orenstein, author of Head Over Heels, out now wherever books are sold. Hannah is the senior dating editor at Elite Daily and a novelist. Head Over Heels is her third novel. Although we don't have the 2020 Olympics to look forward to this summer, we do have Hannah's novel to get us a little bit of that gymnastic spirit. Avery Abrams is a former gymnast who had her dreams of being an Olympian crushed after a horrible injury, and she watched her best friend burst into the spotlight in her place. Years later, Avery finds herself back in her hometown coaching a gymnast with Olympic dreams and falling for the very cute and definitely off-limits co-coach. I love the Olympics and gymnastics especially, so I had so much fun reading this book. It definitely delved into more than just romance, which is something I absolutely love to see. Me too. I think there are a lot of really important themes in this book. So here is our conversation with Hannah. Welcome to Read It or List It, Hannah. We are so happy to have you on the show today. We would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi, thank you so so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm the author of Head Over Heels, which is a set in the world of Olympic gymnastics, as well as Playing With Matches, which is a story about a young matchmaker at a dating service based on my own experience working as a matchmaker, and the novel Love at First Light, which is about an Instagram influencer who fakes her own engagement. And outside of that, I'm the senior dating editor at Elite Daily, and I live in Brooklyn with my really fat cat. Oh. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I don't have a furry friend yet. I've been trying to convince my fiance to let us bring one home. Well, like you mentioned, Head Over Heels is your third novel. So what was different about this writing process than your other books, um, which I feel like you may have had a little bit more like real life experience with? So I was a gymnast for 15 years. So writing about gymnastics was something that I've wanted to do for my entire life. And I was just bursting with excitement to sit down and write about it. Uh, So that was really fun. Um, But, you know, it was a little bit different than my other books because it's darker. My first two Mm -hmm. are very much rom-com category and this one I would call more of a dark rom-com so I was excited to take on the challenge but it was something that was new to me because you know this book does deal with things like sexual assault and emotional abuse and mental health issues and you know I really did want to make sure that I was doing those stories justice so it was a challenge but it was a really satisfying one as well. My mom's a a ballerina so I grew up in the, the dance world and I was really impressed with the I guess the dialogue of gymnastics and the the movements and all of that where I was like, oh, you really feel like you're watching a gymnastics meet through this. Oh, thank yeah. you. I think the pressures of, you know, former athletes and current athletes, particularly in gymnastics about body image and how central that plays a role, I really appreciated the discussion of that. Like you can still keep it light with a romance, but I felt like this novel was definitely a lot about uh, Avery's growth as a person and coming to terms with past trauma and then current things that were going on in the gymnastics world, which are all relevant to real life events. Uh, So what was 
I know you mentioned being a gymnast yourself. Did you, what was the research process like? Did you reach out to former friends, other athletes, um, people that are currently uh, training right now? You know, I'm lucky to have a lot of friends in the gymnastics world and through my work uh, previously at 17, where I was a writer and an editor, I've interviewed a couple Olympic gymnasts. Uh, I, I felt like I was confident in my ability to recreate that world. But beyond that, um, you know, I've also been in contact with organizations like RAIN, like the National Domestic Violence Hotline, the National Eating Disorders Association. And so my research and reporting with those groups really did inform the discussion around some of the heavier elements of the book. So, uh, yeah, that's where that came from. That's great. I mean, I, I really loved all of those elements to it. Something we did a whole series on romance when we first started our podcast. And we have found that romance is a genre that is allowing like risks to be taken with discussing these really important issues that are so prevalent in society today and really giving voice to the characters. And I loved like all of the elements of mental health that are discussed. So what are some things that you want people to take away from Avery's journey? Mm, that's a great question. I love that question. You know, she comes to the book with a lot of baggage in her past. And I think, you know, that's really common. Um, you know, what I love about romance novels and like just as a genre is that, you know, they give space to the fact that everybody comes to a relationship with, you know, whatever issues are in their past. And often, I think having those discussions with a partner can help you process pieces mm -hmm. of your identity and help you feel more confident in speaking up and sharing your stories, you know, whatever that is in your past. And so um, I would just love for readers to appreciate Avery's growth over the course of the novel from somebody who feels, you know, not confident in her ambition, not confident in her worth, um, you know, who feels like her best moments are behind her. And, you know, over the course of the novel, she really does grow into somebody who is really confident speaking up not only for herself, but also for others. And I was really proud of her growth um, throughout yeah. the course of the novel. Yeah, I also feel like Jasmine had really great growth too, different kind of growth. And she's obviously more of a secondary character than um, than Avery and her story is not at the front and center, but it is still a prominent part. And I feel like she had a really great growth in just coming to terms with, you know, her relationship and then what she wanted to do when she reconnected with Avery. And really relatable elements for your late 20s. I know we all talk about the quarter life crisis that we have when we turn 25. And the like. it feels like the, the years between 25 and 30 are so critical to like cram all of these things in. And what do you do when your dreams have changed? And I loved getting to see Avery accept that her... While she may not be an athlete anymore, she has so much to still offer the sport. And I think that was really, really important to see. And Ashley and I, when we finished it, we're both really like infamous for sending voice memos to people, either like through Instagram or through our text messages. Like it's just easier to actually talk. And we sent so many voice memos back and forth to each other when we finished. Um, and one of the things that we kept coming back to, which you've touched on, was like the genre classification of this book, mm -hmm. um, like romance versus women's lit. And um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I do call this one a rom-com, but I, I don't care really what people call it as long as they read yeah. it. And it yeah. Read it. Um, 
I do understand that, you know, the way that a book is marketed really can find its audience. So I think this one probably does skew a little bit more women's fiction only because, you know, while there is a romance and the romance is important to Avery's growth, I think the main arc is really her her own journey. And then, you know, second to that, her journey as a friend and a mentor, a friend to Jasmine and a mentor to Hallie. And then her, her romance with Ryan really is almost a third element to the book. So I think it does skew more women's fiction. Um, but, you know, I'm happy with that because the her relationships with Jasmine and with Hallie and also with her roommate Sarah were some of my favorites to write. And the reason for that is because female friendship is it's just something that really fascinates me both as a reader and as a writer and as a friend and you know with the conversation around olympic gymnasts you know they are so close like i was just mm-hmm. on instagram right before I, I started chatting with you and i saw that simone biles just sent nasty luke in a bouquet of flowers as a housewarming present like that's adorable Aww, you know? yeah. um, but the narrative around around Olympic gymnasts' friendships in the media is really competitive because they are literally competing against each other for spots on the podium stand. So to be able to show a friendship between these two gymnasts that is really complicated, Avery and Jasmine are estranged for many years, um, but to show, you know, their history as friends and how they navigate this really complicated point in their late 20s, um, I'm really excited to do that. And that was one of my favorite pieces to write. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, um, Sean Johnson and Nastia Lukin were best of best friends and the media like couldn't understand why they couldn't hate each other. And it's like, you know, not all women <laughs> are after each other. Like we can be friends and cheer each other on and um, be like allies for each other. Yeah, and that's how it should be. <laughs> exactly. Um, but doubling back to Ryan, because we do need to discuss Ryan. <laughs> we both found it sort of frustrating to see him not really believe Avery at first, or he chose not to believe her until he witnessed Dimitri's treatment of gym- gymnasts himself. But I also was like, I guess playing devil's advocate in a way that I do think it is sort of an important element for people to see because Ryan has this privilege that allowed him to turn a blind eye for his own benefit. Do you think people will be able to recognize that? Was that a conscious choice or what are you hoping for people to recognize about this? Yeah. I mean, with Ryan's storyline in terms of coming to terms with the abuse in gymnastics, I think that he's, like you said, coming from a place of enormous privilege and he really looks up to Dimitri. Dimitri is mm-hmm. his career idol. And mm-hmm. you know what I wanted to comment on with his story is that for people, um, it can be really tough for them to actually recognize what's going on and realize that you know even if you do really admire somebody, they're not a good person. Um, and I don't think that's okay. You know I think that drivers should be believed, women should be believed, and mm-hmm. they're there's really nothing else to say there. I mean, that's just it, point blank. But, um, you know, I wanted to show that it is possible for those people to learn and grow. Um, So, you know, he did make a mistake. He made a huge mistake by not initially believing the extent of what Avery was telling him about Dimitri. But um, he finds a really meaningful way to right his wrong by the end of the story. And um, that was important to me because otherwise I couldn't have him be redeemed as a romantic interest. The vending machine moment was so sweet. Oh, <laughs> like, I really, I thought that was a great way to wrap it up. Yeah. Thank and you. I think I really, I really did like Ryan as a character. I thought he felt very authentic and real um, as 
both in his his emotions and feelings towards Avery, but then also in his kind of understanding of his place and what hit the harm that he caused and then also how he can rectify that harm. Ultimately, was always rooting for Ryan and Avery, but I also had this little thing in the back of my mind that was like remembering about Tyler. Not that I wanted Tyler, you know, <laughs> to be more focused on in the novel. But I kept thinking, you know, as we saw Avery come into her own over the course of the novel, uh, what do you think that Tyler was thinking this whole time if he, when he starts to see Avery maybe um, in the press or something like that? What, what do you think is going through Tyler's mind? You know, I would love to explore that, you know, in, in, in another chapter. I think that could be really fun. Um you know, he dumped her and he thought that she had no ambition. He thought that she had no drive. And, you know, I think he looked down on her by the end of the relationship and he was disappointed in her. So I think it could be, uh, you know, just a moment of like face palm when he realizes, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, just because people struggle doesn't mean that they're worthless, obviously. But, um, you know, I think that's a lesson that he had to learn the hard way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So we know, obviously, you being a former gymnast and the fact that you wrote this about gymnastics is that it's probably one of your favorite sports to watch in the Olympics. Do you have any others that you really enjoy watching, either summer or winter? Yeah, I love to watch diving. I spent a year (laughs) on a diving team, actually, in high school, and it was so much fun. It's such a cool sport, and obviously, I love it because it looks a lot like gymnastics. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the gymnastics of water. (laughs) How does it feel having been a gymnast and then watching the Olympics and watching gymnastics on that? Like, how did, what is that? What are the, I was a swimmer for a really long time. So when I watch um, swimming events, I'm always like, oh man, like it brings all these nostalgic feelings. Obviously I could never compete at that level, but it's still this like sense of familiarity watching people um, do a sport that you did for so long. So what is one of your favorite things to do when you're watching the Olympics? Oh, God. I mean, you know that video of Allie Raisman's parents in the stands, like, yes. <laughs> they're, like, veering back and forth and, like, cringing and groaning. Like, it's amazing. Um, that's how I feel watching gymnastics. <laughs> you know, like, when I'm, like, pointing my toes and, like, you know, moving my arms, like, it's it's a whole thing. Um It's hard because you know exactly what they're going through. I mean, not at a level, of course, but, uh, you know... I, I know how scary it is to like make a movie. You're not totally sure if you're going to land it properly. Um, or like when they wobble and beam, I know exactly how terrifying that is. Um, beam is so much harder than it looks and it looks really hard. So that's saying a lot. So yeah, yeah I feel like I'm yeah. right there with them. You're, yeah. you're originally from Massachusetts, right? I am. Yeah. Ashley's originally from Massachusetts and isn't Allie Raisman? Allie and I grew up in the same hometown. Um, she and I are a year apart and we were at the same gym when we were kids together. So yeah, it's been really, really cool watching her grow. Um, you know, I remember being in middle school thinking, like just hearing whispers for the first time that she was in contention for the Olympics in like, I don't know, what was it, like 2012? And I was like, that's so far yeah. off. Like, what year is that even? Um and I mean, I don't, I can only imagine that so many people are also in contention for the Olympics as kids, like years in advance, but the fact that she actually did it and then did it again. I know. She's insane. Yeah. I remember at, I, I'm from um, Cape Cod originally and I knew people that I played field hockey and I knew people that um, played field hockey uh 
like in your hometown. And so I, I felt like I had a connection and now you have definitely <laughs> uh, taken, taken that title for me. <laughs> I wonder if we know people in common. That's funny. We, we should, probably, yeah. we probably do. I moved out. I'm now living in North Carolina, but I grew up my whole life um, in Falmouth on, on the Cape. Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. That's so funny. Small world. Um, <laughs> I know we're both definitely, I'm, I love watching the Olympics, so I'm really, really sad <laughs> that we're not going to get them this summer now. So this was such a fun, like, peek into it. And I love the show, um, Make It or Break It. It's such a, oh my God, what a show. I could rewatch that show so many times. <laughs> I will say immediately after I finished this novel, I turned on Stick It, like, <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time. And I just like, it's not gymnastics. <laughs> it gets me every time. I put that line in the book. Just I know. Yes. <laughs> I, I saw it and I was like, oh, like, obviously I was already kind of thinking about gymnastics movies and shows and, and whatnot as I was reading it. And then when I saw that in the, in the book, I was like, I've got it. That's settled. When I finish this, we've got to watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> we put on leotards and tracksuits and scrunchies all matching and like seven of us went to the theaters to see stick it and we felt like <laughs> the coolest people in the world we were all we were like 12 but you know we felt really cool <laughs> yeah only I mean I'm sure that this book um tour and book launch looks really different from yours in the past with everything that's going on with the pandemic right now but that could have been such a fun like launch party of like scrunchies and like Gatorade. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it's hard to see it, you know, turn out differently, but I really am just grateful that it's the safest thing. So yeah, definitely. and it's still getting printed. I know that was um, in the beginning. I think a lot of people were like, our book, like, will books still be able to get out there? So I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to get a little experience of kind of get to feel like you're at the Olympics a little bit with getting to read this book. So we, I have a question for you is if Hallie goes on to the 2024 Olympic trials, what is her leotard going to look like? Ooh, I had so much fun with the leotards in this book. <laughs> um, I feel like like the last couple of rounds of edits, I was just going back to change all the different leotard colors, just like based on whatever mood I was in that day. <laughs> but um in the book, uh, Avery has a moment where she wears, like in a flashback, she wears a red sparkly leotard. And I want, I think that Hallie has a soft spot for that because that's the leotard that she saw Avery in when Avery was like at her peak. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that for me, like when I think back to watching gymnastics as a kid, I remember what my idols were wearing at the time. And so I think that like Hallie would want to look like Avery for the 2024 Olympics in a red leotard. Yeah. Well, are you working on anything else right now that you can tell us about? I am. I can't tell you much about it yet, but it's a love story set in New York City. And Ooh, I'm having so much fun with it. And unfortunately, that's all I can say. But um, <laughs> follow me on Twitter and Instagram for updates there. It's uh, Hannah Orens, H-A-N-N-A-H-O-R-E-N-S. Oh, Perfect. So I Phoebe's already excited because she's she lives in New York City. <laughs> she will live and breathe by a story set in New York. My first two books were both set in New York and every spot in the book was a real place. But for this one, um, you know, I in my head, I wanted it set in my hometown just because that's mm -hmm. familiar to me and I felt like I could do it the most justice. But I didn't want readers to think that I was writing about Allie Raisman because I'm not. Right, right. It's just a total coincidence that we grew up in the same place. So that's why the town in the book is fictional. It's Greenwood, Massachusetts, which does not exist. But 
if you are from Needham, where I grew up, you'll probably recognize all the places because they're described exactly correctly. I just yeah. changed the name of everything. We um we spoke to Laura Hankin recently, um, who wrote Happy and You Know It, and she, uh, I don't, if you know the book, it's about a um a playgroup musician, and she was a playgroup musician, and that's how she had the inspiration for it. And I was like, how many people are asking you <laughs> if this is like an act based on you. So I think that that, I mean, especially with some of the content in this book as well, that that it would be really important to make sure that people don't think that this is 100% accurate. It's a very, I think it's obviously things that happen in the gymnastic world, unfortunately, um, but not any one person's particular story. Yeah. And I feel like it was a really great balance of giving like you said, that respect and time to very real things that are going on in not just the gymnastics world, but in our greater world. Um, but then also having this light, beautiful love story too. So yes, definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Hannah. We both had such a fun experience reading Head Over Heels, and we think that is the perfect addition to any summer reading list. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share? No, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Head Over Heels is available wherever books are sold, but we do encourage you to pick it up from your local independent bookstore. We'll make sure to have Hannah's Instagram and Twitter linked in um, our Instagram post today as well as in the description on Apple Podcasts so that you can continue to check in on her. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or stop by today's Instagram post at ReadItOrListItPod with your thoughts on today's interview. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at ReadItOrListItPod. All rights reserved 2020.